G'day and welcome to the Sea Creatures Podcast, a show all about the amazing animals that live beneath the waves. Each episode, we chat about a specific sea creature with a guest who has spent time and interacted with this ocean animal. Our guests range from marine biologists to divers to underwater photographers, citizen scientists, and people that have an intense passion for marine life. My name's Matt Testoni, and I'm all of the above. And joining me for this episode of the Sea Creatures Podcast is Fum Chaco, and she's a marine biologist with the Port Phillip Eco Center. And we're going to be talking about Mola Mola, aka the sunfish. Hey, Fum, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Matt. So great to be here. I'm very excited. No worries. So when I asked, can you come on the podcast and pick a sea creature immediately, you were like, mola mola. So why? Why is mola mola your animal? Oh, well, look, I must say that I, I, don't, I find it really hard to play favorites when it comes to marine creatures, you know, but mola mola is, or the ocean sunfish, it is just such a weird ocean creature. Now, I know there's weird ocean creatures all over the place in the ocean, right? Like my, se- my probably my second favorite one is the octopus, which is also super weird and alien. But these these guys, they're just different level kind of alien. They're they're very rare to spot because they usually live in the deep sea. So they live at hundreds of meters depth in the open ocean. And we don't really know a lot about them because of that, because they're in such a, an area that's very inhospitable to divers. Um, so it is, it is not a very usual site, especially not in Victoria. But what we have seen in the last few years or so is that every now and then we will spot one in Port Phillip Bay, just swimming around, just, you know, would have taken a wrong turn and, and swam in through the Port Phillip heads. So in 2019, for example, there was a kayaker that was just, you know, kayaking and having a, a bit of a paddle on the bay and uh, he saw her fin sticking out of the water, thinking that it was a shark uh, and turned out to be a sunfish and followed him around. Um, and then you may remember this as well, Matt, we had this uh, dead one wash up in Morris in the marine sanctuary there, very on the nose. I think the museum came over to have a look to see if they could preserve it, but it was already too rotted. <laughs> um, and, and very recently there was one in Kenneth River only last month that, that washed up nearly two and a half meters long. So quite uh, quite interesting. So so people people do tend to see them, but it's quite hard to spot them in the natural habitat. Tell us, like, tell us what a sunfish is and how big a sunfish is. Yeah, so, so sunfish are the biggest bony fish or the heaviest bony fish, I should say, not the biggest, but the, the, the heaviest bony fish on earth. So we have fishes that are made of cartilage, like sharks and rays, and they get super huge, right? So whale shark, for example, is the, the biggest fish on earth. But when it comes to bony fishes, the mola mola is the heaviest. So they can weigh up to two and a half tons, so 2,500 kilos uh, per fish. And their length can be up to three meters from the nose to the tail and from the tip of their dorsal fin to the tip of their anal fin so vertically the biggest molar species on earth can actually measure up to 4.2 meters that's the biggest one that's ever been caught and that's that was last century so so they can grow absolutely absolutely massive they eat squid and jellyfish mostly because that's the kind of prey that you find in the deep sea mostly and they do tend to come up every now and then which is when when people can see them uh and it is thought that they come up into the more shallow reef areas to have parasites removed by other fish so that's why for example in bali you can often see them uh especially between the months of august and sort of like end of october which is called mola season that's when they come up out of the deep sea and uh, they visit the reefs Uh, sometimes you'll see them actually flapping on the surface 
I'm not sure if that is why they're called sunfish, but they, they kind of just like lay flat uh, on the surface of the water and flap around a little bit. And it is thought they do that to get the UV rays of the sun to burn off the parasites that the fish can't get. Oh. Um, otherwise, they visit reefs and several different species of fish will, will take parasites off for them and like, you know, skin, loose skin and that kind of stuff. So they basically come in for a spa treatment every now and then. Um, which is a perfect time, perfect time to go and see them if you're a diver. So ocean sunfish are, they are the strangest looking creatures because they don't really have like a fishy tail, you know, how usually fish, they have a tail that they use to propel themselves forward by, by swimming with it, by um, pushing it left to right. For the molars, that is all stumpy and weird. Like it looks like they have a butt basically (laughs) instead of a tail. And instead of instead of side fins uh, on the side of their of their body that usually fishes use to you know swim around and go left and right and that kind of thing, they don't even have that. The only thing they have is this massive dorsal fin that sticks right up like the sword of a male orca or killer whale, like a really triangular one. And they have the same kind of fin of the same length sticking down from their belly. So their anal fin and their dorsal fin are very much elongated. And they flap them kind of left and right as they go. And that's how they propel themselves forward. It is the strangest thing to witness. So so they they are fishes, but they just look very, very strange. (laughs) Yeah, I always always would describe a sunfish... Um, Because this is the first sea creature we've had on the podcast that I haven't actually personally seen, which is pretty cool. Um, But from what I know of sunfish, I would describe them kind of like a giant pancake that kind of makes its way through the ocean, which is, you know, if you can picture a really flat pancake with two big fins. Yeah. Yeah. It's my version of a sunfish. I also um, was doing a bit of research and they can't, they don't actually close their mouth, do they? Because I mean, people describe them as having like a, a docile or derpy kind of look, but I think they just, yeah, their jaw actually doesn't close properly, does it? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard of that. That's a new fact to me. Yeah, I wonder why that is. It's, it's probably to get to keep the uh, water flow going through their gills. So they'll, as they swim, the water goes in through their mouth and then out through their gills so they can get enough oxygen. I mean, that, that would be, you know, what I would expect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You'd think like, I mean, I guess if you're feeding on jellyfish and, and um, so forth. Like it's not that easy for a jellyfish to get away from you. So you don't need to like close your mouth like a typical animal would around something else. Yeah, but it gives them, you know, in combination with those eyes, it just gives them this like really kind of vagrant look, which is, um, I think, yeah. yeah, cool. And also really alien because because they're so, they're gray. Sometimes like the, the biggest species of mola, because there's different species of sunfish, right? So there's the mola mola, which is the ocean sunfish, but the biggest one, uh, and also the one you see, you'll see in Bali and one of the three species we get in Australia is actually mola alexandrini. And that one is, is quite uh, gray and sometimes it has spots as well. So it's like that really, the ones that I've seen in Bali were very gray, uniformly gray almost with no spots. And then they have these like really black eyes with no um, irises, you know, it's just like just the pupils kind of thing. (laughs) And so it was really like looking into the face of like an alien from outer space, you know, it was just, yeah, it's a very strange phenomenon (laughs) to see them. Wow. So, so like, tell us about your experience diving with them because that just sounds awesome. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, look, we were always on the lookout for them. So I used to be a dive instructor and uh, when I still lived in the Netherlands 
where I'm from. And every other year we would go, you know, all of the, the people in the dive school, we would take a trip, a, a three week trip to Bali to go diving there because it's just so world-class, you know, diving in Bali is one of the best places you could ever dive. We would go, I think we were there in October or November. So we were already at the end of the Mola season. And I was there as a, I think back then I was still assistant instructor. And I had a little crew of young people under my wings, um, you know, just sort of like between 18 and 22 years old doing all these dives. And we were always kind of like keeping a half an eye out for the Mola Molas because, you know, trying to spot a mola mola is like finding a unicorn underwater right like everybody wants to see one but it's really rare and you got to be pretty lucky uh so one day we were on the boat and we were going to crystal bay which is a fantastic dive spot in uh, off nusa penida which is a small island just off the coast of bali which has amazing diving you can see all kinds of stuff there Um, and people go there for the manta rays as well for example so it's it's a very popular dive spot and it is actually quite deep there. So there is a uh, a drop off. There's a beautiful snorkel reef that's quite shallow, but there's if you go deeper, there's a, a, a rock platform that's at about 40 meters. And after that rock platform ends, there's basically a drop off that goes you know, a few hundred meters deep. So it's right off the atoll, basically. Yeah, one day I was there with my uh, my little crew and we were diving quite deep, I think at about 35 meters or something, just, you know, enjoying the corals. And the name Crystal Bay is called Crystal because the waters are often crystal clear. It's, it's one of the best spots for amazing visibility. You know, visibility gets up to 30 meters sometimes there if you're very lucky. And uh, it's, it's basically like flying like Peter Pan when you're diving there because the water is so clear it looks like air you know it's it's incredible so we were having a a good old time down there and and all of a sudden I (laughs) we were approaching this uh the the ledge and I could I could see it sort of like down there and you know I'm looking at my computer making sure that we're not going too deep and all that sort of thing and all of a sudden I couldn't hear my buddy go (laughs) underwater and elbowing me in the ribs and he's pointing and, and I was like what is that and just coming up over the rock ledge from the deep is this massive fin, just a fin tip. And it was coming up, 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 up. And it didn't end because it was a really long, really long dorsal fin. And before we knew it, there was a mola, a mola alexandrini, a sunfish, right in front of us, just come up out of the deep like some kind of weird alien. And the water was so clear that it was super close as well. Like, you know, it was super clear. And, oh my God, like, obviously everybody saw it straight away because it's so big. (laughs) And so we decided to go and have a closer look because, you know, obviously it was such a rare thing to see. So I I was looking around and I could see everyone's faces in their masks, just like big eyes going like, oh my God, sunfish. So we decided to go and have a closer look. Of course, still having a, keeping a respectful distance because you never want to bother the animals. Uh, but we swam to have a closer look. And as we were swimming down towards the edge of this rock platform, another three molas just came up like these massive submarines out of the depths, popping up over the edge of this rock uh, in this crystal clear water and just looking at us. It just kind of stopped us in our tracks because all of a sudden we, you know, we were six, six people and they were like four massive mola molas, the biggest ones I've ever seen, even in pictures. And it just stopped us in our tracks and we just stared and they stared back at us. And that was a really amazing experience where one of them actually approached us 
And the other three just kind of just hung out at the same depth face to face with us. And they, they didn't seem scared or anything. They didn't seem to want to move anywhere else either. So it was kind of this standoff you know, <laughs> between us and, and, and them. Uh, and, and the big one who had come up first kind of like approached us like a tiny little bit and he kind of swam to the side of our little group following us with, with that really big black eye just like staring at us as he was swimming past like a pancake, right? Like a <laughs> <laughs> and all just stare back uh, in total amazement. But of course, we were at 40 meters at that time. So we only had about eight minutes that we could stay there and all of our dive computers started going off. You could just hear the beeps going crazy everywhere. Dive computers telling us, hey guys, time to go back up. You're at 40 meters now, don't go any deeper. Um, so eventually I had to snap everybody out of it and say like, you know, use my, my dive science to say like, come on everybody, turn around, we have to go back up. And that was the hardest thing because the molas were just still hanging out with us, um, staring at us. And uh, yeah, we, we had to leave obviously because we had to stay safe. So um, we went back up and did all of our safety stops on the way. And by the time we got up to the surface, most of our tanks were pretty empty because... <laughs> It was such an amazing encounter that we've been breathing like crazy through our regulars going, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like that. So it was definitely one of the most amazing dives I have ever done in my life. That kind of close encounter is so rare. And with a marine creature like that, uh, yeah, that just stays with you forever. Wow, that's that's quite a story like um i've always wanted to see a sunfish but like or a mola mola but to have that experience with four of them i mean i've, I've seen people they swim and there's usually like 20 meters away and they're like quickly kicking but to have them come up and investigate you with that as you keep saying that alien look and that big black eye is just just amazing yeah and that was the amazing thing about it you know like i mean just the fact that they were just as curious about us as we were about them <laughs> <laughs> that's what you know that's what makes the encounter so memorable that it was more of a I guess I felt like it was more of a meeting of peers than you know us being just tourists down there if if you know what I mean it was like yeah we were just minding our own business and they were minding their own business and we just ran into each other and had some kind of interaction yeah everybody kind of like came back from that trip a little bit changed after that. Yeah, and I think that, as you said, is the best kind of underwater or animal experience is when it's natural and, like, they're not baited or they're not, like, you're not going down to see this animal that's kind of, you know, been trained. It's just this totally meeting of two worlds. Yeah, exactly. And what I really love about scuba diving in general is that you're in an environment where as apart from your bubbles, you can blend in really well by, by, you know, having good dive etiquette, making sure that you don't make any sudden movements, you don't chase after fish and things like that. So if you behave like a sea creature and just keep your cool and just, you know, be relaxed and not pose a threat, it is amazing how many marine animals will actually approach you and interact with you if you know how to how to behave in a good way in their environment. Yeah, that's so true. So have you got any cool facts or what's like a favorite crazy fact about a mola mola that you've got? Oh, I think uh, what my favorite crazy fact about a mola mola is that they actually spawn 300 million eggs at a time. 
300 million eggs. Let that thing sink in for a minute. Like, <laughs> that's an incredible amount of, of eggs. And they're tiny, tiny eggs. And they, nobody really knows exactly why they do that. But another crazy fact is that only since last month, and this is July 2020, has somebody, have, have marine scientists for the first time positively identified a mola mola uh, sunfish or a mola alexandrini larvae. So people know that they can spawn these eggs because they found, you know, like dead washed up or caught sunfish that had those kinds of uh, numbers in their bellies or in, uh, ready to spawn. But no one had actually positively identified one of the larvae, right? And that is, that's quite astounding because obviously before, you know, before they can grow to three or four meters, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of growing they need to do. So that no one has, had ever positively identified a larvae before last month, that I found quite astounding as well. And we, we know so little about their reproduction and their cycles and things like that. So it's actually Australian researchers that did that, the identification, and they, uh, they did it by a combination of obviously like, you know, finding the larvae and, and sort of like catching them uh, in the water and DNA research, and then comparing that DNA to preserve, a preserved specimen in the museum as well. So by cross-checking and cross-referencing the DNA between a specimen that had been there for a long time and the only specimen as well, so very rare, uh, and then a new, newly caught specimen, they were able to cross-reference and, uh, and give a positive ID. And that's going to help us enormously uh, to identify these larvae in the future and to you know, learn more about their life cycles and their, and their life history. So it's, yeah. it's, quite, a, it's quite an amazing, uh, amazing find. Yeah, because that's one thing, like, I mean, just quickly to talk about larvae, like, I mean, if you think it goes to two and a half tons from a larvae, I read something like 60 million times growth, which is the biggest of any <laughs> vertebrate, like any bone yeah, it's that big from how it's born. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, yeah. The eggs, the eggs are tiny, you know, and look, the fact that they have to spawn 300 million eggs in one go, it kind of tells you how inhospitable their natural habitat is to those tiny eggs right because there are there's two ways that animal that animals reproduce they have they can have two different strategies one is a k they call it a k strategy which means that they gestate for a long time they only have one young and then they put all of the parental care and all of the effort into parenting that young until it is big enough to live on its own. So people do that, right? Humans do it, whales do it, dolphins do it. And so that is a particular strategy. Now, most fish will use an R strategy, which means that basically what they do is they spawn as many eggs as they can, and they'll just like leave them to their own devices and hope that at least one survives. <laughs> so that is a strategy that the, uh, that the mola uses as well. And obviously the fact that they have to spawn so many means that most of them don't survive. They become prey to other, to other marine creatures. So even catching a baby, tiny, tiny baby mola larvae is actually quite, quite a feat, I reckon. Pretty crazy because they don't even look like sunfish when they're larvae. They look, I've heard them described almost like a, puffer fish when they're very young yeah, that's actually oh it's it says um so i looked it up and it's uh, was collected off the new south Wales coast in 2017 uh, by the csiro vessel the rv investigator and so they have a they they found a number of those uh, tiny larval molar specimens but uh, yeah they just didn't know what the species was 
um, at that moment. But yeah, you're right. They look extremely cute, I must say, when they are so tiny, just like little, I don't know, tiny pancakes, I guess, but they don't have those big dorsal fin and anal fins yet. So they don't actually look like their adult state, which is obviously why they haven't been identified before. And they've only been identified through uh, DNA research. Wow, that's just so cool. Yeah, I guess we, we spoke about where to see them. Um, so I know Nusa Panita, you said. And then there's also the occasional rare sighting off the coast of Australia, different places. Are there any other spots you could, you know of where Mola Mola congregate? Well, they kind of just live everywhere in the open oceans, as far as I know, in the Pacific. So it's kind of, because they're in so deep, it's not really... Uh, you know, you can't really, you have to go to a, a, a Mola Mola cleaning station to go and see them as a diver. Uh, sometimes they, because they come up, sometimes they get hit by vessels, which is why I think the dead ones wash up on the Victorian coastlines every now and then, like the one in Kenneth River. So they do get struck by vessels when they come to the surface. But I, I'm not aware of any reliable place where you can go and see them except for uh, around Nusa Penida. Yeah, because because they come up there to to be cleaned and to visit the cleaning stations. So yeah, that's that's the best the best place to go and see them. But you know, again, if you spend a lot of time in the bay or if you spend a lot of time on the ocean, you might be in luck. Always keep an eye out. You might see one uh, <laughs> flapping on the surface on its side, basking in the sun, or um, you might see a big fin that doesn't quite look like a shark fin. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've heard I've heard stories of people seeing them off um, Sydney Harbour, people seeing them off the coast of Tasmania, um, New South yeah. Wales as well. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope that um, my time in the ocean lets me see one of these amazing animals. And if not, I'm yes. just going to go to Nusa Penida. <laughs> yeah, do it, and uh, of course uh, I will be very much looking forward to the photos you'll be bringing back because uh, if you are lucky and you get the same visibility you are going to be the happiest diver on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just shot up to my number one bucket list. I think on this show, I often say, you know, say like, oh, that's my next animal I'm going to see. But I think this is definitely like just, just number one. It's going to stay number one for a while. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it was definitely an unforgettable experience for us. And yeah, it's, this is, this, is, this is my favorite part where I try to, kind of express the emotions that I felt when I was down there and it's just impossible you know just uh, my heart was exploding <laughs> just with the the awe and the and the respect and the the love and the, the beauty of watching them just do their own thing and us being so privileged to actually have the means and the opportunities to go and visit these amazing creatures in their natural habitat and you know and and, and see them just live their fishy lives <laughs> it's uh yeah i i count my lucky stars really ah oh, that's so good well on that note that brings us to the end of our mola mola episode thanks hum for joining us and if anyone wants to see some of your work or get in contact with you or anything like that or listen to you talk more about cool marine stories where should they go well they can always find me uh on my instagram which is at Fum charco 
basically, if you just Google my name, Fam Charco, you will probably find me because there's not a lot of people that have the same name. Uh, so that would be your best bet. Uh, but if you have any marine related questions or uh, any uh, questions about creatures you may have seen in the bay as well, or uh, anywhere else in Victoria, get in touch with me uh, via the Eco Center. That's uh, Fam, F-A-M, at ecocenter.com is my email and you're very welcome to drop me a line or, or give us a call because the Port Phillip Eco Center uh, protects the waterways uh, all over Victoria and also uh, with a focus on, on Port Phillip Bay as well. So yeah, have a look at the website ecocenter.com and uh, uh, you might be able to sign on to one of our online snorkeling talks that, that are happening all through the lockdown. And uh, yeah, we have, we have regular um, marine-related uh, topics that people can participate in, like talks and presentations and things like that. So keep an eye out for that. Ah, cool. And if they want to listen to marine, radio, uh, marine stories, you're on the radio as well in Australia. Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, so I am currently a co-presenter on Radio Marinara, which is on Triple R Community Radio. And the show is on every Sunday from 9am till 10am on 102.7 FM. Ah, awesome. Well, uh, make sure to check out that show because it's a great show. Sea Creatures Podcast is hosted, produced and edited by myself, Matt Testoni. You can see more of my photography on Instagram, Matt underscore Testoni underscore photography, and my webpage, mtunderwatermedia.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and visit our Patreon account, patreon.com slash podcast to help with the running costs of the show. Production assistance by George McGrath, and music by Dan Musil and his fantastic slide guitar. Tune in next time to hear all about sea urchins with Ashley Miss Kelly. This has been the Secret Just Podcast. Over and out. <laughs>